0: Welcome to the Lion's Roar Dharma Center podcast from Dona Darge Temple. This public talk by Lama Yeshe Jinpa about the Lotus Sutra was recorded during a regularly scheduled Monday evening teaching.
1: Thank you. Can we hear Ellen? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, tonight, uh, it's going to be a somewhat technical talk. <laughs> so, uh, I'm glad some advanced students are here and also some beginners. (coughs) Because if we start out on the right uh, way, then it's so much easier. Uh, The path that the Lotus Sutra primarily talks about is uh, the Buddhayana, the Buddha vehicle, and the Bodhisattva yana, the Bodhisattva vehicle. In both cases... uh, it mean somewhat akin to like being awake, being alive, being uh, curious and intelligent. Uh, so uh, Buddha and Bodhi is uh, kind of same word almost. But when we're giving names like Bodhisattva or Buddha or Arhat or Acharya or Mahasiddha um, or Bodhisattva um, or just even Yogi or Yogini, Um, we're talking about becoming a professional uh, practitioner. (coughs) Professional means we actually know how to do something and do it correctly. Uh, We're able to do it under pressure, and we're able to help others under pressure. It's like being a professional musician. Uh, We're not just listening to music, uh, but we're playing music uh, in front of others, uh, and maybe even asking money for it. (laughs) So, uh, when we say bodhisattva in our tradition, uh, we don't mean just someone who's a nice person trying to do good. We, know, we mean someone who's awake and has positive motivation and knows how to actually do things professionally. You don't want to fly in an airplane with someone who just says, I'm a pilot because I like to fly or I like to travel or you know, I'm going to go to the dentist because the dentist likes toothpaste. You know, you want people to actually know how to do their job. So our task here at this temple and Lion's Roar is to uh, learn how to do the training and practice professionally, uh, even though we are householders, uh, you know, with responsibilities, right? <clears throat> but uh, it's hard work. It's hard work even in the monastery. It's hard work even on retreat but it's doubly hard work if we don't know what we're doing. So hopefully I'll give some guidelines that'll be helpful today. The two major aspects of meditation that we must master are called shamatha and vipassana. Shamatha is a Sanskrit for calm abiding or tranquility. It's a placement meditation to be able to thoroughly um, make the mind, the attention, and all aspects of the mind totally pliable and totally serviceable so that when we want to place our attention somewhere, we can do it without effort and we'll stay there and uh, be present uh, without any um, obstacles or distractions. We have to train to do this. It's very difficult to do it. And most of the time, this is the training we have to do like daily, daily, all, you know, it's like, do it every day, I say. Then the other piece, Vipassana uh, in Sanskrit uh, is, Uh, sometimes translated as panoramic awareness. The Tibetan latong means superior seeing, highest vision. What is latong? It's not the Vipassana of the Theravada for us. Latong means actually to see into the nature of mind, to see into the nature of self, to see into the nature of uh, phenomena. In other words, to see the truth, to see things as they are we develop a very stable, penetrating mind, and then we go looking for what is real. We question what is real. We investigate. So all the Vipassana techniques have to do with investigating, is this really true? Does the self really exist this way? Is this really true? Do phenomena, you know, whether they be outer or inner phenomena, really exist the way we think they do? Does the mind really exist this way? So we test it and we come to certain truths which when they become stable and they become operational we call them realizations. The point of the teachings is to have the realizations that the Buddha did so that we can say this is the nature of reality this is what sets me free, this is what uh, uh, binds me. Usually in meditation practice, uh, we're talking about the subjective state of practitioner, right? Here's how to stay motivated. Here's what to pay attention to. Here's how to negotiate the path, right? Here's how to drive correctly. It's like going to driving school. You just want to know how to obey the laws of the road, just how to drive properly, right? That's so much of the practice, Samatha and even Vipassana. But the point is to get somewhere. And to get somewhere is to have the realizations about the nature of the universe, the nature of reality. The Buddha said, I've discovered some things about reality. He didn't say, I just want to be a good person and I just want to help others. That is part of it. But we have to see things as they are. So in our practice, uh, what's called uh, Vipassana, is is seeing things as they are with a very penetrating insight so that they become realizations <clears throat> we're here to see the truth of the four noble truths we're here to see the absolute truth and the relative truth so we're here to see the truth we're not here to have a particular subjective experience you may say i'm feeling good today or i'm not feeling bad or i'm feeling bad today but I still know that the earth is round. That's more important from our point of view. Most of us are gonna train for years in doing the placement meditation, so we just have a calm, stable mind. But um, we have to do the Vipassana meditation or we won't attain any realizations. We won't see the nature of things. We'll have interesting spiritual experiences, but we won't know who's having those so we have to know in Vipassana we have to come to an understanding like who's having this experience and what is this experience what's its nature who's paying attention to what please when people come to Darshan and I say who's doing shamatha and who's doing Vipassana at least don't say me (laughs) okay Okay. (laughs) me okay beginning it's okay like well I'm doing it (laughs) but we're after who what who is the one that says I'm doing it right and what do you think you're doing in America we're very very psychologically oriented we're very interested in our narrative and our explanations We're very interested in starting by confessing or apologizing or saying, well, this is, (laughs) I'm sorry I'm late, this is what happened, right? Like that. But uh, in Asia, you generally just jump from, uh, well, in a way you're doing all the training without any particular personal narrative as primary. It's hard to imagine, isn't it, from our point of view? Like, you don't, what if you went to a teacher year after year, and you never got to tell your story? You know, like, well, this is what I'm going through with my marriage, this is what I'm going through with my life, this is what I'm going through. And all you heard was, here's the technique, here's the nature of mind, here's the nature of self, here's the nature of reality. And they, they never, They never said, well, how are you doing and tell me what you're up to. Could you handle it? (laughs) That's classical training. After many years, my teacher would say, well, how's your family doing? (laughs) But for years, it's just like, here it is, here it is. Do this, do this, right? That's tough. It's tough practice because we want to say this. Yeah, but um, don't you want to know it would be like, Lama, but don't you want to know how I'm doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to learn Chandra Vipassana, nature, reality, self, or mind. Can I just tell you how I'm doing? Okay. So, uh, in America now, I've just given up. So, I am interested in how people are doing. But uh, we we still can work it into our Dharma practice. So, when you're doing... Uh, straight concentration meditation, really you don't want any narrative, right? When when you're doing straight Vipassana meditation, you really don't, or let alone Mahamudra, Dzogchen, you, you don't really have a narrative. You're just looking at very directly at the nature of things. How do they arise? How do they fall away? But actually, uh, we can bring in a narrative if we're very um, professional about it. So you, we're doing shamatha practice and then we decide, okay, I want to investigate the uh, nature of uh, a relative truth such as impermanence, which would be a Vipassana kind of thing too, right? <coughs> So and just, instead of just noticing in our mind that, okay, we can't hold on to anything, therefore impermanence, we would bring up a situation, a personal narrative like, wow, I you know, just saw a car accident and realized how impermanent things are, right? That's a narrative. And I started reflecting about my life is short. That's a narrative. So we can take, you know, we can take the shamatha practice and the vipassana practice and start bringing in a narrative, but you have to hold on to really, like, who's doing this? So you bring in the personal sense, like, okay, um, I want to do a meditation on impermanence, and here's an example of when I saw impermanence, or realize that things change. But still, when we bring in that narrative, you want to say, who is it that's noticing that? What is the nature of the change? And how do we know it? Knowing is the aspect of the mind, right? We have to have the wisdom aspect. You have to have uh, Rigpa and Yeshe, however you define them. You must actually see things in the present now with awareness. It's not happening anywhere else. But the narrative's always gonna be about the past or the future, right? Always. But we can bring that in if you maintain a strong sense of what we're after. Like, who's doing all this? What, what is the nature of impermanence? Even though we're bringing in the personal narrative. In traditional practice, of course, we are reading sutras, and there are stories about uh, practitioners, and there are stories about um, people's narratives, right? But in uh, yogic practice, like living in a monastery, living in a center, living in a gar, something like that, um, the, the narrative is going to be pointed out, hopefully, in the midst of you doing it. I try to catch you all in the midst of you doing your life, right? And lots of times it feels like you're being jumped on, right? (laughs) Like, do you notice what you're doing right now? And I'm like, well, no, I don't want to talk about what I'm doing right now. I want to talk about what that other person did yesterday to me, right? (laughs) So it is possible to talk uh, when we keep a very strong sense of presence. It is possible to talk about the personal narrative at the same time we're being aware of who we are, what the nature of mind is, and what the nature of phenomena is. That's high-level practice, right? Do you agree? That's high-level practice. But that's actually what we should be practicing. So the way uh, we can learn how to do it in America is actually you know, bringing in the personal narrative to actually our training, our sitting meditation, and really maintaining a very strong sense of investigation, a very strong sense of concentration, a very strong sense of awareness. And we can notice what we're doing uh, in the moment in daily life too, right? But generally, Yogic kind of yogic style Mahasiddha style a little bit style is um we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna allow you to bring it into your training right The training keeps very uh kind of pure right. in a way we're just gonna th- you're just gonna go directly out into so called conventional world and they're going to hit up against each other uh very dramatically whereas a little softer practice is to bring. It's almost like kind of therapy-style meditation is bring, bring your personal problems into, uh, you know, into your formal training on the cushion, right? <coughs> what What you don't want to do is you don't want to do the formal trainings and you know whether it's shamatha or pashana, or lojong or mahamudra or deity or yoga anything, and then immediately try to uh, then wrap a personal narrative around that, like you're wrapping, you know, bacon around a hot dog, and then bring it out (laughs) into the daily world. Because then you have a personal narrative of, um, I'm just doing my practice, and um, now I just want to I want to get this done or I want to be a good person, but you're not thinking like, who's the I that wants to be a good person? You're not thinking about like, well, what is it that you want to do? So we need to be careful about uh, taking, you know, getting up from the cushion and immediately uh, assuming that we're going to bring our Dharma into daily life because then you're going to drag your psychological, personal narrative along with it. So actually, you want to bring, if you're going to do anything, you want to bring your personal life into your training practice and um, uh, dissolve it there, right? So if you want to add a little bit of uh, sweetness to the water, you get a glass of water and then you add the sugar, right? You don't find... A lump of sugar and then pour the water on it, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you have a glass and then you have, you say, "I want a little sweetness," so you put it in there. <laughs> you don't like find you don't find the sugar box and then pour water on it. But that's what most people are doing when they're doing practice incorrectly. You're saying, "I I want to take you know this and then pure awareness and then I'm going to kind of dump it into." our personal self-world and thinking that then you're bringing the Dharma into your daily life. That's dangerous, right? Because then you're going to have just a wet box of sugar. (laughs) I'm sorry for newcomers. It probably doesn't make any sense. Maybe it doesn't make any sense to anybody here. But, um, you know, Uh, if we want to do these uh, particularly high-level practices, if you want to say, well, I'm I'm a bodhisattva or I'm a Zogchenpa or something like that, you you have to take a totally professional attitude like that. But if we gently, you know, um, bring in a personal narrative into our training, it can work, but you have to boil it down to, uh, first, you know, what essential Dharma truth, am I trying to build the narrative around? So, um, you can't just say, well, uh, I want to be, I'm sitting here doing meditation and uh, I'm just remembering the car accident I saw on the freeway and I want to just be okay with that you know, I just you know, want to be alright. <laughs> you have to say, what what is it, what's the truth that you want to pay attention to? You could say, well, I, I want to pay attention to my fear or I want to pay attention to um, my curiosity or something like that. So you have to bring the narrative down to an essential thing and then use the narrative to isolate that because the correct practice is Okay, I'm. I'm going to pay attention to pride. Let me have an example of that. I'm going to pay attention to ignorance. I'll example of that. So we just don't have the narrative swimming around in our head. We have to bring it to a point. That's why studying with the teacher closely, you're going <laughs> to. I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to get like what's the point? Bring it to the point, so that uh, it has the ability to. Um, uh, you know, to be kind of awake, right? So you can't, you can't do, you can't just kind of tell a narrative without saying, who's doing what in this? You see a car accident, for example, like, you know, what are you trying to see the truth of? You can't just say, well, I'm, you know, I, I want to drive. You wouldn't say in a Dharma way, I I just want to drive better, that's really too bad. They had an accident, right? That would be very conventional, right? If you want to realize some truth of death or you want to realize truth of impermanence or something like that, then you you take that and that's going to be your focus, and the narrative around it is going to help um, you stay in focus. So one style is you do the shamatha practice and Vipassana practice, starting to do it, and then you bring in the personal narrative, but you don't lose sight of the essential purpose of both the practices. The narrative is used to highlight the truths instead of using the Dharma truths to therapize or pacify conventional reality, right? If you're thinking, well, if I realize that, if I conquer my fear, then I, I won't be worried about car wrecks anymore, right? <laughs> that would be like, that'd be kind of therapy style, right? Conventional world. So you have to think backwards. <laughs> Dharma has gone a little backwards. So you think, uh, I want to, I want to use. You wouldn't quite say use, but through seeing the nature of the car wreck, I'm realizing impermanence. You go, It goes backwards like that <laughs> instead. Of, I'm just saying backwards, but you're going to the essence of it, rather than, if I understand impermanence, I won't be worried anymore that things change. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? But that's not the way, that's actually not the way you train. That's therapy-style dharma, right? And if I understand, I won't be worried anymore. But we're still not thinking, well, who's the self doing it, right? What's the nature of impermanence or change? What, what, who's, what's happening? Who's doing it? What, What is the nature? The only thing... And dharma that's going to free you is you have to see what, what is the self, what's the mind, and what are you paying attention to. I've tried to say everything at least three times. <laughs> so, what, let's just take, I don't know, time for comments or complaints. And <laughs> I'm open to like, this isn't what I came for. You know, whatever you want to say is okay. <coughs> Yes, sir. Doug, Go.
0: I know what I'm saying. It's probably going to be ro- wrong, but uh, in the book by Shanti David, it seems like he's, he gets to the absolute nature at the end of the book. <laughs> and at first, he talks about bodhicitta, but I guess bodhicitta goes both ways. But could you say something about that?
1: Uh, that's right. So Shanti David is really interesting because. Uh, uh, he's starting out on the relative world and then going to, you know, emptiness at the end. So he's going kind of that direction and he's saying just even generating relative bodhicitta, you're going to become a bodhisattva. So he's really working, but actually he's really working both sides. Working both sides of the street. Pardon me? All the time. All the time, yeah. So... Uh, that's why I say we have to practice, you have to practice seeing the nature of conventional reality and self and the nature of absolute self at the same time. You can't just say, like, I'll get really good at my personal life, get it all together, and then I'll do, you know, look into the nature of things. You won't have time. We we have to have some kind of stability uh, we can't be entirely in crisis to, to do the formal trainings, but uh, you needs some stability, but you have to do both at the same time. So yeah, that's a good point about Shantideva. But uh, he, he kind of builds it for dramatic effect, you know. He wears you down, right? That's a good question.
0: More, I I don't know. It's interesting to me. Then the narrative itself that you talked about. Yeah. I see a car accident, and it's all about me. Yeah. That that is always. I I don't know. To me, that's already so delusional. I see somebody dying, and it's all about me. Yeah. How how is that? Oh my God! I saw a guy
1: die. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, there's no concern for the guy who died. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's that's all.
1: Yeah, our narrative happens so quickly, whether it goes to phenomena or it goes to self, right? It's, it's going to a little bit be biased towards one side. Um, in any case, we're usually you know, immediately being fixated on one side or the other. It's very difficult to uh, see all three simultaneously, but that's the practice, yeah. I don't wanna get rid of narrative, it's just the way, it's just, when I say narrative, it's the way we construct ourselves. it's the story we're telling about ourselves, right? So, it's not that we're going to get away from that, um, but we have to really be prepared um, if we start using narrative as part of our practice in meditation. But for most people, even in Asia too, having, having a nice narrative is the ideal, but it's not. You might still have a kind of weird personal narrative, so you could still be like um, not a not a perfect person, right, and still be totally awake and enlightened. Yeah. That's good news, right? Ellen's in the back. Hi. So. Thank you, and I appreciate this because I got to go to Darshan this morning, so I've actually heard it six times. Yeah, six and, times. And I don't know if it'll stick it any more yeah, with me times, yeah. than it does with three times. But I, I just want to ask, if the, does the narrative ever calm down? Yeah, the narrative does calm down, you know, um, uh, of course, but um, it could be a dramatic narrative too, you see. Uh, it's it's not seeing the nature of the narrative that makes it the problem. You know, so usually we own the narrative. But we could have kind of a depressing narrative and still see the nature of mind, nature of phenomena, nature of self, right? Um, because, a lot happens to us in our lives, right? So, you know, somebody could say, well, I've had a really difficult life, and uh, I'm still kind of uh, sad about it, right? Or a little bit upset, and, but they're totally aware of who they are when they're saying it. They're totally aware that the narrative has uh, no completely independent existence. And they're totally, you know, uh, you know, awake and luminous mind now, right? But they're just saying, you know, um, it's kind of been rough, and you know, so like that. So then, it would seem that there, it would be not correct to have a goal of having the narrative calm down. It's just working with the narrative or seeing more of the ultimate reality and not just buying into the narrative that is more Well we want to do both at the same time. Yeah. So it, it usually doesn't help to have a totally dramatic narrative where we're lost in the narrative. I'm just saying at some point, you know, we can't we're not we're not totally trying to, you know, sanitize it. That's a good thing, I think. Yeah. I mean, anyway. It is a really good thing. You know, so um, like one time, uh, I was a center where Dujan Rumshi visited and somebody asked, how are you doing? And he said, I'm miserable. That's a bad asthma. You know, that's a narrative, right? But like, so how, how is it that he'd be totally liberated and say I'm miserable at the same time, right? So that's worth investigating. Those are interesting things. Well, it doesn't have to be super solid, right? You know, it doesn't exhaust the whole thing, you know, so having having totally being invested in our personal narrative is like just having our hand right up against that. You can't use it. So a little further out, you could actually use like I'm miserable as a useful narrative. So the, the teachings are Teaching us how to see empty nature of self, but also how to use self narrative in a wise way, telling an interesting story. but we just don't believe it's totally solid. It's difficult you know it's it's more dramatic to like if people here have gone on long retreats where you haven't talked at, at all then when you suddenly start talking to people, it's really weird, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? So, that's that's a little classical style. You know, so, because it's abrupt. You know, you you haven't talked for months, maybe even, and then suddenly, like, people are just (laughs) chatting, and it's weird. Then you see, like, this is weird, we're making these noises and assigning meaning to them, and, you know, we're, we're thinking there's a self that's saying it, right? So that's a little bit more classical that you're getting a certain kind of abruptness there. But um, see, once again, that's a yogi, maybe monastic style because uh, you, you you set up your life so you can have a certain kind of abruptness there. Whereas if we say, well, I've got to go to work and I've got kids, you can't always take that much abruptness. So, you know, you're you can, you know, you'd, you'd be going to retreats, maybe that, or kind of a style of retreat that's including a lot of narrative along with a silent meditation, or non—you know—a little bit of talking along with retreats, So it's not so abrupt, but kind of uh, a little bit um, yogi style is going to be perhaps a little bit more abrupt. You see anything like that? There's advantages to each. It's weird. <laughs> My favorite word today, yes.
0: Would it, would it be, in some ways, are you saying that you could use a, a narrative as a meditation object?
1: Yeah, so... Um, um, we, you know, like the... That's high-level practice, you know. That's high-level practice where... Um, we're actually listening to a story or we're listening um, to even a talk and that becomes, um, you know, like poetry for us. So um, that's why sometimes in some phases in practice we should be, uh, you know, reading poetry. Um, In the Indian, Tibetan, and Japanese traditions, there was still the idea of this is good poetry and this is bad poetry <laughs> but uh you know Milarepa's songs are sarahas, dohas, and um the spontaneous uh uh uttering, so to speak, of the Buddha too, you know the Buddha had just would start kind of talking kind of poetry, I think, and um those would be um you know what became what we'd sometimes called um pithy instructions, you know, instructions in the moment that would be turning words like that. So these are highly charged narratives that um, uh, are able to, you know, highlight the nature, mind, and self, and phenomena like that. <coughs> but most of our narrative is kind of cir—it's circling the airport. We're not getting to the what's the point. And it's irritating to talk to people who are st- you know, in therapy we would call it um, storytelling. Um, well, what's the point? It's, it's annoying, right? Even, so, you know, someone's telling this happened and this happened and this happened and then she said this, he said this, then this happened, then I did that, then I, right? And you're kind of going along, right? But what's the point? So you're trying to like, well, is the point you're angry at the person or they didn't listen or they you know, like that. So, that that unfortunately is the ego becomes totally confluent with the narrative and never gets to the point. So, in the practice, we w- we want to um, you know bring things to the point. So we're like a needle that can go through um, the cloth. <laughs> My teacher used to say that to me a lot because I'm a chatterbox. So. You say, well, oh, oh, what's the point? <laughs> 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 and? <laughs> or, you know, more like even, like, just kind of rudely sometimes, like, so? Oh. I mean, we don't like to hear that if we talked for 15, 20 minutes and someone goes, so? <laughs> but that's what we should be saying to ourselves. So... And the point is, because we're not listening to ourselves, so that's, that's what we're doing in shamatha, vipassana and stabilizing, calm abiding meditation and panoramic awareness, uh, you know, what, what's the point? What kind of truth are we trying to get at? It's kind of brutal sometimes, you know, you're telling somebody a really sad story or something with, you know, dharma teachers I have to remind people, like I'm I'm a super grandmother dharma teacher.
0: (laughs) I I can attest to that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Kempo Kempo Gurme. Yeah. I don't think he ever once asked me how I was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They won't. (laughs) And
0: he and he would make fun of me.
1: Yeah.
0: If I told him, you know, that I was upset about something, he would actually just make fun of me.
1: 'Cause the the it's not that, you know, it it really, you know, we turn, it it's not meant to be abusive, it just there's no support for the personal narrative. You know, it's like get to the point. So that that's what we're doing in our meditation practice is what you know, like we want to come to the point where we recognize uh the nature of things. And then, then we're free. So like Uh, You know, a teacher many times would just ask, well, why are you here? And we should say, well, I just want to realize nature-mind. But usually we come with a little lower level, like an obstacle or something like that. That's okay, too. But you want to get to what's the point of the narrative. So if we can't do that, then you don't want to do narrative practice, right? Otherwise, like we're sitting there in meditation, and it's just like one thought, one experience after another, which is basically will be just how most people talk. Like, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then they did this to me, and then they did this to me, then I did that to them, then I did that to them, then they did this to me, then that happened and that happened. going So, right? What's the point? Well, you know, like, sometimes the point could be, you know, with how we can find the point. What? What nature of mind, what phenomena, what self are we trying to clarify? It's hard work, right? Because usually we just want to say, this happened, then this happened. Yeah. Or, you know We you know, <laughs> start saying, I, and then they stop you. You know, look, <laughs> <Right>. look, <laughs> I, what, no, no, no. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you you learn to ask, you know, like you want to clarify the nature of mind, the nature of self, the nature of phenomenon. One one more question or comment or complaint. This is all really straightforward, isn't it? Yeah, you know. (laughs) It is what? Yes and no, yeah, thank you yes and no. Both of the Dharma talks, you know, that we hear are uh, an encouraging personal narrative, right? They're, they're, you know, they're ad hominem, um, they're homilies, we'd say, you know, Christian tradition. Uh, In other words, they're they're encouragement, like, you know, keep going and be nice to people and, you know, don't be a nuisance and, and, you know, and yeah, things are bad, but they can get better. You know, most are, are encouraging. It's a narrative, uh, which is a positive narrative, right? But it's not gonna be um, a yogic narrative, like who's doing it, and what's the point? And what's the absolute nature of what we're talking about? Then then the Dharma talks can be um, I find more interesting, but none of you here need to be encouraged, right? You don't need to say, "I don't need to say you're really nice people and keep going." Do I? Do I need to say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do need to say that. <laughs> 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 you know, <Another>. yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's you know, we we you know, I want to hear everyone say, while so like, it's going to be okay, it, it's going to be all right, you can do it," and I want, like, I mean, that was that's important. But it's still a relative narrative, right? You know? You have to be, Yeah, It's better than saying you can't do it, you're bad, stupid, and wrong, and you're a loser, you know. But at some point, they're really the same. Ultimately the same, whether I can do it or not do it, whether I'm a nice person or not a nice person. It's still a narrative with an assumption of the primacy of personal self, and that it's really talking about something. Hmm. It's doable though. So, um, I'm gonna be very traditional and uh, Lama's gonna take off and I want you to do like meditation after a short break. So, if you can if you can entertain a personal story while at the same time using shamatha and pasha, in other words, with a steady mind investigating what the hell is going on, then you can bring in the personal narrative. If you find yourself being swept away, in other words, you go further and further from the point of what you're trying to talk about, then you do have to do very you know, conventional, like I'm just gonna cut off that narrative and then return to your meditation object, which is usually gonna be like breath or visualization or or something in front of you in the ultra right. But if you can stay on point in the narrative, then you then uh, it can be very useful. So, you know, just pick. But we, you have to be kind of rigorously honest. Like okay, I'm just kind of drifting in my personal narrative. I'm not really interested in who's doing this anymore. I'm not really interested in the point of doing it. I'm just kind of complaining, whining, or blaming, or storytelling, right? It's sobering, isn't it? But if you can, then you got I'm really interested that I'm having this narrative and I really want to know, really want to investigate who's listening to the narrative. What's the point of it? And how do I know it? Because the knowing mind is always going to be the the you know whether uh, we're calling it Rigpa or Yeshe or Zen don't know mind or something right. <laughs> we never say that they actually depend on you know <laughs> uh, you know you, you want to be, you want to have that pristine uh, awareness. So right in the middle. You're knowing something. On one side, emptiness, clarity, luminosity. On the other side, unending manifestation of uh, unity of appearance and emptiness. But right in the center, you know what you're doing. Because that's a good question. You know, if somebody stopped you, whatever you're doing to the day. I said, do you know what you're doing? Do you know who's doing it? And do you know the point of what you're doing? Um, That's like training at a um, a training center. Do you know what you're doing right now? Um, And who's doing it and what the point of it is? You get to just say, conventionally, "Um, I'm me and I'm washing the dishes to get them clean. But it might go deeper than that, right? So maybe you can go deeper tonight, you know? It's kind of nice having a small crowd. It's easier to listen. That's okay. When I became a monk in India, you know, like people's mobile phones were going off.. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just give up. Okay, so can you leave people on meditation after us? Just, you know. Pick pick one. Try to pick one ahead of time. I'm gonna just. I'm not gonna pay attention to personal narrative at all, or I'm gonna pay attention to personal narrative and try to see who's who's listening, <laughs> what's the narrative about, and how is it that I know know it. So I say it. Do you get it? Does it make sense? One more time. Okay. <laughs> So at some point we want to listen to ourselves telling the story, right? So there's there's something weird that happens when we start listening to ourselves. It starts taking on less solidity. Like a, you know, the self becomes kind of a little echo, right? And then we start seeing the the point of the narrative. Like I'm here to talk about you know some form of something suffering or joy or something. And then in the middle is going to be this weird sense of knowing that isn't dualistic. Okay. Usually we're always sitting at like, I know this, I'm looking at that. You know, so there's a weird, I'm just calling it weird sense a non-dualistic wisdom mind that's going to be very interesting because it doesn't have an allegiance to to knowing anything in particular. It's just pure awareness. We usually have an allegiance to knowing something, right? Like, I, I, I know this, so I'm, you know, I'm this kind of person, or it's very strange to have like, there's just a knowing awareness that doesn't have any particular allegiance. So you want, you want to be, you want to say it's kind of funny, like pay attention to that, which is kind of weird to say it that way, but because it's going to be self-aware, it's paying attention to itself. Yeah, yes. We, uh, you know, it's like, um, it's very, uh, there's not a location, but it's present. See, <laughs> so that's important, you know, like, we're usually trying to locate it somewhere, our brain, or, you know, but really, it's really present, but you can't locate it in any particular place. It doesn't, it's present, but it doesn't have any particular allegiance to a place. That's the real mandala principle. It's present, but it doesn't have, you know, like, where is it or where isn't it? You can't say, well, it's over there, emptiness over there, or mind is over there, but it's not over there. But even when you say it's here, you can't exactly say where it's here. That's easy, right? Okay. (laughs) This is some good teachings! I'm just saying it, the way it is, you know?
0: This has been a Lion's Roar Dharma Center recording. For more information, visit lionsroardharmacenter.org.